Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Dusame Jr. Follow me on Twitter at The Sam D. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. Uh, subscribe and rate to the podcast, Five Stars, Nothing Less, Tell a Friend. Podcast available on all major podcasts and platforms, including Apple, The Rogan One, Google, all the other ones. So wherever you can get your podcast, check for The Sandy Podcast. Follow the podcast on socials, on Twitter. Uh, if you still do Instagram, it's over there for how much longer, I don't know. But for right now, everything, Twitter and IG, at The Sandy Podcast. For all content, audio, and visual, including trash narratives, hit up thesandy.com. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. So, question. What it mean when you're a number one overall pick at the quarterback position and all your receivers want to bounce? <laughs> what what that mean? What that mean when all your receivers went out and you're a number one overall pick that has advertisements every goddamn Sunday that is protected by Cleveland Brown shills and blue check boys in Cleveland. What that mean when all your receivers went out? <laughs> Juice Landry wants out of Cleveland. <laughs> he saw what Odell did. He saw what Odell did. Odell, Odell got up out of there and got a ring, bruh. Most productive and got a ring. Who else is next? Who else is next? Njoku? Peoples Jones? Who is next in Cleveland to be like, nah, bruh, Baker ain't it. Get me up out of here. Somebody come rescue me. Somebody save me from this little person QB who can't see over the line. Although a lot of other QBs can see over the line, but somehow this one can't. <laughs> Funny to your boy. Oh, man. There's a lot of little things. There's a lot that's been happening since the last episode and this episode. But, I mean, Nick's tape, Kemba. Somebody on this podcast, somebody, I don't like to do the I told you so stuff. I don't like to do that, although I can. I told you! I told you! I told you! Yes, that's what I told you! I told you! So I don't have to say it. I told you! I told you! I told you! I told you! When it came to Kemba. I told you! I told you! I told you! I tried to. I told you! I told you! I gave you all the signs. Hey man, look, Nick's tape. I warned y'all about Kemba. I warned y'all about Tibbs and Kemba. I even tweeted it out and tried to warn y'all again, but y'all didn't want to hear it. Rice, son, BX. He's coming home. Y'all keep falling for the narrative of when New Yorkers come home to come hoop for the Knicks. Y'all just keep falling for it. Y'all want it to work so bad. And yet the one time it did work, y'all ran man's up out of here. 
told you. Y'all ran Melo up out of here. Oh, we should have waited until the offseason. We didn't have to give up so much. Yes, you gave up a Mozgov. <laughs> That's so much. You had to wait. Melo should have waited. Because when you're trying to procure a top 10 score of all time, he should wait because you want to hold on to a Mozgov. Nick's tape, y'all funny as hell, man. Never stop being you. <laughs> Never stop being you, Nick's tape, because y'all keep falling for it. Y'all keep falling for it. I tried to warn y'all that Tibbs is going to run whatever is left of Kemba's knees into the ground, and he did. They tried to blame him on all well. We're just going to take him out the rotation, just going to, you know, lessen his minutes. You know, it's going to re reassess the rotation. Sure, no, that man's knees been shot. They were shot low-key in Charlotte, and MJ was able to flip that for Scary Terry and push that off on the Scamadum Dea and make that happen. He was able to push it off on Boston and let them figure out that, oh, shit, man's knees is done. So then they let him walk after they realized he ain't it. But here come Nick's tape. Nick's tape to save the day because of the narratives. Kid from the Bronx, Cardiac Kemba. We know what he did at the Big East tournament in the Mecca. Now he gets to have the Mecca as his home. Always going to be lit. Yeah, but nah. Because <laughs> them knees are done. And yeah, I tried to warn y'all and now they shutting down Kemba for the rest of the year. Y'all keep investing in Tibbs, and Nick's tape is slowly. It took them a minute. Didn't happen when all the pep rallies were going on last year. I was chief Nick hater number one. I had Nick fans and Nick pundits and Nick shills in my mentions trying to debate me every time I said, yo, this Nick's thing ain't what it is. This is fool's gold. Just like the Hawks have come back to earth, the Knicks are going to come back to earth I was called a hater. I was called biased. I was called jaded as if someone who used to be a Bulls fan would ever be jaded by a Nick. But let's move past all of that. The main thing is, I tried to tell you. I told you! I told you! I told you! I tried. I told you! I told you! I told you! Y'all ran around here throwing up the X. Y'all thought it was going to be a rebirth of Kemba. Cardi at Kemba. Now he's shut down. Now what? Can Grimes finally get some run? Can Grimes finally get some run now? Is this opening the door for Grimes? Oh, yeah, Tibbs don't play them either. Tibbs don't like the youngins. Oh, wait, wait, where'd y'all hear that at? I told you! I told you! I told you! I told you! But I mean, okay. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, next tape. Oh, uh, y'all are glorious. Are you ready? Because, I mean, if he ain't coming, he's wasting a lot of cachet. But, I mean, it looked like he coming. Are you ready for the round bound or rebound part deux? <laughs> he tried to come here by hook or by crook. That boy went out so bad, he willing to come to the Knicks. That boy went out of NOLA so bad that he's willing to come to the Knicks. <laughs>
<laughs> Zion don't want no parts of C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum had to air out how Mans won't return his calls just so Zion could finally call him back. That's how bad it is. Imagine C.J. He thought he had. He thought he was going to be like the Scottie Pippen to Dame Lillard's MJ. He thought that was going to be a run for like a decade plus, and all of a sudden. I don't know if Dame is running from the grind. I'm not here to assess that. I'll let other pods do that because I'm not going to pretend to imagine to know anything of what's going on in Dame Lillard's head. But whether or not Dame's running from the grind, he damn sure running from CJ. (laughs) And Zion, too. Zion running from that phone call. He don't want no parts of CJ because he know what CJ is. Oh, but hey, remember, CJ was supposed to go straight up for a bit. Mm, mm, mm. Let's not let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about CJ for that rank. I mean, it's what on the bridge, right? They got they got the old ass beard though, right? Uh, but yeah, so Zion's coming. I mean, they got two out of the three Dukies from a few years ago. They might as well go ahead and just go get Zion now. But what the hell is that going to look like? I mean, you're going to go get Zion. Zion's going to magically lose weight. I mean, did the beard ever really lose that weight from when he tanked his way out of H-Town? He looked flabby and sick at times in Brooklyn, and he tried to hide it his first couple days in Philly, but we saw him in that practice jersey. We saw it. Still a little pudgy. Pudgy the fat bastard. I don't know what to expect with Zion. Zion is is, is eating his way and forcing his way and has been. You know, I try to tell you all from Rip, like the league basically forced Zion to go to the Pels because of the media market size. The Grizzlies and the Pelicans have the smallest media markets in the entire league. Don't you think it's a coincidence or a little bit more than a coincidence that the two most ballyhooed stars that have come out of the college in a long time in Zion and Ja were forced to go to those markets? You think it's a coinkydink, right? Okay. Okay. But now in the era of player empowerment now in the era where someone like Ben Simmons could say, fuck you. I don't care about that 19 mil. I don't want to be here. Now you have Zion essentially doing the same thing. Knickknack injuries, conditioning issues. However you tank is how you tank, bruh. But the end game is still the same. Get me up out of here. I don't want to be here no more. And all of this is going on while the Pels GM is allegedly fighting former ex-Pelican coaches in tunnels. (laughs) Can't make this shit up. David Griffin, whose only claim to fame is, I was there when LeBron got the ring. His resume is literally one line. I was the GM when LeBron came back from 3-1. That's it. And he's been able to flip for jobs on TV and now another GM job with the Pels. And all he's done is do bad trade after bad trade, suspect draft pick after draft pick. And yet and still the Benson family down there in Nola, who still low key has part of the saints training staff as part of the Pels training staff. It's not a full conversion. Like it was reported to be. Okay. There's still some people there with some overlap. Because at one point in time, if you don't know the Saints training staff, which is also something owned by the Benson family, they were basically doing two jobs, covering two teams, two sports. So you have football trainers basically healing up basketball players. So that came under scrutiny, and they tried to flip it and remix it and say, no, we're going to hire 
trainers and, and medical staff from other organizations in the NBA, and we're going to fix it. And on the surface, it looked like they did. But if you know people who are there at the blender, at the Smoothie King Center, uh, they might have snuck in some of them football people again. <laughs> Can't help themselves. They cannot help themselves. So I don't know what this Pelicans thing is going to be. The Pelicans are on their way to Sacramento Kingville. They're going to be that inept, that irrelevant. Uh, and it's sad because it is a good market. It potentially could be a really important market if they do it right. But they're not going to because they're owned by a football family. And, I mean, if you know anything about football families, when it comes to the Maras, when it comes to the McCaskies, when it comes to all of these types of legacy acts, you see the Davises and, in, 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 well, Vegas now. I mean, we know what they're really about. So, yeah, I don't expect too much to happen from a Pelican standpoint in terms of trying to win. They're hanging on to the value. They're hanging on to the equity. They're hanging on to the ROI. That's what they're trying to do with NOLA. So, if you're a Pels fan, I feel sorry for you. But, I mean, right now, though, uh, what's good with Young Reaper? If y'all going to let Zion go, I mean, you might as well go ahead and let Young Reaper walk. Who wants Young Reaper? Knicks tape want another dookie? I mean, Young Reaper going to Knicks, he's instantly the best player on the team. How amazing is that? The Knicks as constituted, even if I give them Zion, <laughs> even if I give them Zion, if somehow they're able to get Young Reaper, he immediately becomes the best player on that team. That's some sick shit if you're a Knicks State fan. Because right now, I guess you're saying Julius? I mean, maybe you want to ride the wave of what RJ did before he got hurt. But I mean, put all that to the side. I'm assuming most of y'all will think Zion is better than Julius from, from a potential standpoint, at least. But what if I give you Young Reaper, who's already proven it? Same amount of all-star appearances as Julius. <laughs> I mean, we know who's a better bucket. We know who's not going to shrink in the playoffs. Well, I don't even know if you know that with Young Reaper, but I got more faith in Young Reaper not shrinking than I know what Julius shrunk last year against John Collins. <laughs> that defensive stalwart, John Collins, was able to put clamps on your team's best player who, yeah, you didn't give him the every single cent max, but you pretty much did. <laughs> but, you know, we didn't give him the max. Okay. Okay. I mean, you pretty much did. All right. Fresh off All-Star Weekend, there was a lot going on. That's why I was not able to uh, give y'all a pod last week. The new gig very much entrenched into the NBA, and I'm very happy about that. But that also means I'm very heavily involved in uh, NBA activities. So it's in the mix, heavy with All-Star Weekend. Uh, LeBron said the thing, though. <laughs> and LeBron can't help but say the thing because he's always trying to make a case. But he sat down with Kenny the Jet Smith. Shout out to Queens. Southside. He said the thing. He really believes he's the GOAT. And why I, I applaud the confidence, I applaud the ego and the pride and the self-awareness to have that faith in yourself. I don't know why this man keeps trying to tell everyone that he's the GOAT. Have we ever heard MJ, when he was playing, say he's the greatest? 
or he wants to be the greatest. I think he might say, I want to be the best basketball player that I could be. Like he might give you that type of rhetoric. But in the in the conversation of I want to be the GOAT, I'll remember MJ ever saying no shit like that. If I'm wrong, please hit me. Send it. Y'all know what y'all normally do, whether it's DMs or or, or the tweets. LeBron and, and Kobe, even to a certain degree, and one of these days, by the way, sidebar. Uh, we're going to have to have a Kobe conversation. Um, I know there's a lot of Kobe fans that listen to the pod. I know a lot of y'all rocks with Kobe, and, and I do too, to a certain extent. I don't hold him as highly as y'all do in terms of top players overall and all that type of stuff. But Jeff Perlman came out with a book. I think it was during the pandemic, uh, Three Ring Circus, in regards to the Lakers, the Kobe Shaq Laker era. And... He got the transcripts on Colorado. Scary hours. Made me look at being a little different. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, Kobe definitely said he wants to be the GOAT or he is the GOAT or he's playing because he wants to be viewed as the GOAT. LeBron has echoed this, those sentiments and has doubled down this past All-Star weekend by saying because of the 3-1 Deficit against the 73-9 and nine and a lied Warriors. He thinks that makes him or that cemented him as the GOAT. And it's just getting annoying, bruh. Like, it's not even an interesting debate anymore. I'm not going to sit here and run down the resumes. I'm not going to sit here and run down all the numbers and all the resumes and the averages and the metrics and all that stuff. Because, I mean, there, there's hot take shows that could do that. I don't watch, ESP, I don't, I don't watch ESPN. And I, don't, I don't watch that shit. And I know how I feel about that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just annoying, bro. Like, I don't really remember MJ getting it off like that. I remember MJ saying, I want to be the best in the league. I want to be the best player in the league that's playing right now. But in terms of this whole legacy thing, like, I just don't remember him going this hard, pause, to be like, I want to be the best that's ever played. If it did, enlighten me, and please give me the full context. Don't don't just send me a screenshot of the actual quote. Give me the context. Is LeBron going to keep telling us this? Because he actually thinks it or because he knows he's not. But if he keeps saying it, he'll at least be in the conversation. Because like, all right, if we keep going down this this road, it leads to a lot of weird questions to me anyway. If you want to give me MJ versus uh, LeBron, right? Okay, cool. I still think it's MJ all day and it's quite a large margin. But anyway, so what about LeBron versus Kobe? Like, there's a really strong, and, and some of it may be based off the fact that he passed away and, and, and the tragedy of all of that, so we want to hold him in higher regard. And that's, even when he passed, I tried to mention it even then, like, yo, like, let's not do the thing of we're going to hype him up to more than what he really was, but, you know, I can't control what other people think. I can only try to enlighten and give my perspective, and whether you rock with it is whether you rock with it, so... Unfortunately, that is what happened. Like the tragedy happened. We were all messed up over it. And people started hyping up Kobe to be more than what he was. So Kobe LeBron. Are there people out there that think Kobe's better than LeBron? Like, is that a real thing? Like, I I hope we're not at that point. I hope 
Because as much as I don't think LeBron is in MJ's class, I for sure don't think Kobe is in LeBron's class. So it's like, how much further do we have to go with these debates? Because that's all there are, just debates. There's no right or wrong answer. I mean, no one's going to convince me that LeBron's better than Jordan. And I'm sure if you're a LeBron stand or a Kobe stand, it'll go the same way for y'all against anybody else. So, you know, it's, it's just weird that LeBron keeps trying to explain or give his resume or keep giving us these points like, well, I came back from a 3-1 deficit. That cemented the fact that I'm the GOAT. Well, if you're the greatest of all time, why would you be down 3-1? I just don't understand. If you're really the GOAT, why would you allow J.J. Berea to keep you out the post? You're six foot eight, maybe six nine. If you get the right lens, you look six ten. And you let JJ Berea lock you in the post. Sub six feet. Sub six feet. You six eight to six ten, depending on the lens. But you the GOAT, because you came back from 3-1, which means your team was down 3-1. And you didn't miss no games. Others missed games, but you didn't miss no games. So you took them three L's in that finals before the habitual nutheader went crazy, started kicking you in your dick, and then he got himself suspended, and then you'd be able to turn the tide. Because that's what actually happened. Y'all were going to lose. But then the habitual nut hitter went habitual nut hitter and couldn't stop kicking, punching, elbowing LeBron in his nuts and got himself suspended for it. Where he had to watch game five from the Oakland A's Coliseum right across the street from then Oracle. This is what we're talking about. So you want to tell me you're the GOAT, but you got locked by a sub six footer in J.J. Barea in the finals. And then you want to use the finals when you came back from 3-1 that cements your legacy as the GOAT when it just means you were down 3-1. How'd you let yourself get down 3-1 if you're the GOAT? I don't understand it. It seems like a nothing stat to be like, yo, MJ never had to face a game seven in the finals. That means something. 6-0 in the finals means something. Every time he got there, he walked away with the trophy. He walked away with the Larry OB. Braun got four of them things, but out of what, 10 tries? Like, I understand you want to feel that about yourself. You're the GOAT of this era. I'll give you that. If you want to say, yo, I'm the greatest of this era, word. Word. You got it. Just like you could argue, you know, between Magic and Bird in the 80s. And then Jordan was the 90s. And then you want to go into the 2000s where it kind of rotated. It was a bunch of guys that were vying for that goat of the, of the decade. Sure, I'll give you goat of the decade. 2010s, I'll give it to Bron. All time? Nah. Nah, can't do it. I really don't know how you can justify. You can just give me numbers. If that's all, if that's all you want to do, just give me numbers. And okay, sure, numbers. Right, Bron came in, into the league as a teenager, so you understand the numbers are skewed, right? You understand they, they, they're not going to play the same amount of games just because they can't because of the sheer volume of the fact that LeBron came in so much younger because Jordan had to go to college, right? And for a significant amount of time. He couldn't even be one and done. So, like, throwing numbers at me doesn't mean anything. 
But I mean, we could go to college and Jordan won a chip in college. So, I mean, that's another ring, right? So that's seven rings. I mean, do we do we want to keep doing this? So what else happened from All Star Weekend? Oh, everyone shitting on uh, the slam dunk contest. And yeah, I don't understand why if you're a fan of ball, if you're a fan of hoop, why you would shit on the All Star Weekend or shit on the slam dunk contest. Like, dog, it's just some amateur shit, dog. I mean, low key, we can really blame LeBron for ruining the dunk contest because he lied to us. He lied to us. He lied. He lied to me. He lied to you. He lied to Cheryl Miller. He lied to TNT. He said that. What was that? 2010? 2011? The clip was floating around on Twitter this past weekend. I, I, I retweeted it. And yeah, like he lied and said he was going to do the dunk contest. Now he said it was on a prelim basis, but like he said it. And he would have been falling in line with the greats. Because, again, we, we talked about legacy and who's the GOAT. The GOATs all did the dunk contest. From Dr. J in the 70s to Jordan in the 80s to Kobe in the 90s. So all the ones that we looked at as the guy, all of them have participated in the dunk contest. And then in line would have been Braun, but he pump faked. Did he think J.J. Barea was going to be a, a judge? Is that why he didn't want to do it? He was going to be mad that he, was, he wouldn't be able to dunk because J.J. Barea was in the building? If we could have found a way to ban J.J. Barea from the building, do you think Braun would have did the slam dunk contest? I mean, that's like a real thing. Do you think Braun would have entered the dunk contest then? He just couldn't see J.J. Barea, right? He just couldn't see him. Damn. That's, that's, that's y'all king, though. That's that's y'all king. So, yeah, it's either we're blaming LeBron or we're blaming J.J. Barea, because obviously LeBron doesn't want to dunk if J.J. Barea is in the building. At that point in time, he was nervous. He was shaking in the light when it came to anything J.J. Barea. Since he curved it, that led others to be like, all right, well, I'm not doing it. And, you know, they tried to press John Morant and Josh said he's not doing it. And this has been something I've been wanting to talk about for about over a year because he said that about over a year ago. He said that during the pandemic. He said that last year's slam dunk contest. He was like, I'm not doing that because of the scoring, because of the whole D-Wade, you know, tricking off the, the points. for Yeah, I mean, look, dog, for Derrick Jones Jr., like, yeah, like people ain't stupid, dog. It's, it's biases that go into the judging. So John Moran don't want no parts of that. He wasn't. He wants no parts of that scoring system. So, I mean, John Moran ain't going to do it, bro. You could keep clamoring for John ja Moran because LeBron laid the path of you don't have to do it, dog. You don't have to do it. John Moran's like, all right, word. I don't got to do it. I'm not going to do it. Maybe now that Bron's older and hopefully he's over the whole J.J. Barea thing, we can get him into the dunk contest if we make D-Wade the judge. If we make D-Wade the judge, he's just going to give 50s to LeBron, right? Like not even 10s. He's going to give Bron 50s, right? Because that's how D-Wade gives it up, right? So, I mean, I think that's the only way we could get Braun or anything like that is he kind of, these guys follow him. If Braun says well, you can move like this, player empowerment, all that type of stuff, establish your own legacy, establish your own brand, your own network, and carve your narrative that way, he has led that path. So guys will follow that. But obviously, you know, old man Braun, he not out here trying to do that, bro. 
Unless he get D-Wade, Chris Bosh, Ray Allen, who else? Who else has to be a judge? Who else has to be a judge for LeBron to do the dunk contest? AD, Melo, basically the whole Banana Boat crew, plus CB, Chris Bosh, and then I think you'll get Bron to do the dunk contest. But I don't think, you know, the, the dunk contest is still the highlight. Even when it sucks, it's still the highlight. Even when it sucks. I talked about this uh, earlier today on my man Greg Larnard's show. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing where the three-point contest, it was great that Cat won it because it showed the one thing that he's really good at. And I still defy you to name 30 basketball players that are better than Cat. That's still an ongoing joke. But when it comes down to it, two, three years from now, we still going to remember that Cat even won the three-point contest? Whereas I know two to three years from now, we're still going to be clowning on how bad this year's slam dunk contest was. And that, to me, is the ball game. That, to me, is it. Like, if we're still talking about how bad something was years into the future and not someone's excellence that was shown on that same night, then, yeah, that, to me, doesn't mean, oh, the slam dunk contest is whack. We need to fix it. Like, no, it still carries the weight because we still keep watching. And we ain't going to stop. Just like there were people that, you know, swore off the NFL and da-da-da-da. But you see them slowly creeping back. They can't stop. I know people that tried to swear off the slam dunk contest when it was Nate Robinson and all that stuff. They were, And there was too many Mrs. Birdman had all the million misses and all that stuff. And they were like, I'm not watching ever again. But then what happened when it was Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon? Where, where were they? They just came running back, right? So... All-Star Weekend is one about the game and always taking the over in the game. Hopefully y'all did that because it's been hitting for years in a row, almost a decade in a row the over has hit. And number two, it's about the Sun Dunk Contest. You can give me the, the Antetokounmpo brothers bricking up the place. You can give me, you know, Cat winning three-point. All that stuff is cool. Celebrity game, rising stars, all that stuff is cool. But the main event outside of the game itself in the pomp and circumstance that comes with that is still the slam dunk contest. And the 75th anniversary thing was really dope. It was really cool to see all the ones that were there. It was really cool to see that uh, Carl Malone could not make it. That was great. Uh, Scottie Pippen looked awkward as hell. But did you see Kawhi? Kawhi was making the rounds. He was there. He's on the 75th team, 75th anniversary team. And Jerry West was walking him around and kind of introducing him to some of the OGs from the 70s and 60s and whatnot. And I, I, it, there's a clip floating around of that happening, and Kawhi is telling them, I'm trying to come back. I'm trying to come back. Well, here's what Ty Lue said right before the All-Star break about Kawhi trying to come back. Quote, we know Kawhi is probably not going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so Kawhi is out here shaking hands with you know the OGs from the 60s and 70s lying to their face because Talu already jumped out that window and said yeah we know man's probably not coming back <laughs> yo man Chandler Parsons was an elite scammer but there's something to what Kawhi has been able to trick off with Balmer and the Clippers. There, there. I need a doc, four-piece 
not 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 even thirty for thirty because the, the, it's kind of over for those. I need a four part docu series on how Kawhi has like taken over that organization. That might be, you know, I said how Ben Simmons might be the the best example of player empowerment because of the fact that he said no to the money and risked the money. I think I'm forgetting about what Kawhi has silently. And that's the thing. It's silently and it's stealthily because it's the Clippers. And nobody really gives a shit, even with the point fraud, fraud city era and all of that. No one still cares. No one cares about the Clippers. So, but what he's been able to do, him and Uncle Dennis, the real estate stuff that they used to talk about that they don't talk about anymore, like all of that stuff where the load management, like all that stuff that they used to talk about, the surgery right after he inks the extension, like it's all happening and it's quiet and no one says a thing. Like, no one says a goddamn thing. And Kawhi is getting it all off. It's amazing. I mean, player empowerment, right? Like, that's amazing. You could run a whole organization. The whole organization is bowing down to you. And you truly don't either, A, don't want to play. B, don't want to overexert yourself to play. Or C, know you got an organization by the balls. So you're just going to do whatever the hell you feel like. And it's going to be all on your schedule amazing that's really where amazing happens let's get into brian flores so brian flores has a gig it is not a head coaching gig but it is a gig it is a coaching gig he is part of mike tomlin's coaching staff uh i don't know what the official title is because i saw like three titles but essentially he's just a position coach i think he's a linebackers coach and he threw on like two additional titles to trump it up defensive assistant, whatever thing, to make it look like it's really more than what it really is, is we just threw man's a gig at the end of the roster. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, he's a position coach. He's a linebacker's coach or whatever. So it's like, all right, like you're able to get a gig, but that's not the point. The whole point is you're head coaching material and you're alleging that this league does not want to hire you as a head coach because of the color of your skin. So he took a gig. Does him taking this gig kind of counteract against the lawsuit? To me, yes and no. It's a weird one, right? It's a gray area because, yes, if you didn't have FU money, and I've been talking about that a lot lately, like FU money is a real thing. Like if he didn't have the FU money to be like, all right, I'm going to sit out a year. I'm going to take this lawsuit and go as far as I can with it. You got to have some FU money to do that, bro. But you just taking a job, any old job. Yes, it's under a black head coach at Mike Tomlin. So the, the visual, the optics look really good, I guess. But if you didn't have the FU money, why you jump out here with your whole chest trying to do a class action? By the way, the judge has not deemed it a class action yet. So that's a step that still has yet to come. But if you're Brian, if you're Brian Flores and your whole thing is, yo, dogs, y'all not giving me a chance. Why would you go to Pittsburgh for any old gig? That tells me he didn't have FU money because the, the fact of the matter is we can even go before that. Like, remember, 
or matter of fact, I don't even think I got a chance to, to speak about it here. I think it happened in between pods. He kind of went at Lovey Smith on the low, not even on the low. He kind of put his name on it. And, you know, Lovey Smith got hired down there in Houston. And remember, Brian Flores put this out before uh, the Houston gig was finalized. So Lovey Smith got the gig in Houston because basically the whole Josh McCown thing was going to make the league and organization look basura. And they were going to have to, they were probably going to be added to the lawsuit. So they went against their wishes because by all reports, McCown was going to get that job. Josh McCown, your, your Abercrombie and Fitch white QB with no coaching experience outside of volunteering at a high school where he didn't even call plays. That guy was going to walk into an NFL gig because he shares the same type of religious zealotry of the hierarchy in the Houston, Texas front office. That's literally, he looked the part and he talked the, the, the religious zealotry that they needed to hear. And that was going to get him the gig. But then all this Flores stuff came out and the lawsuit came down and then they had to pump their brakes. So they pumped their brakes and they had to pivot much like the dolphins did by going out there, getting the, uh, Mm, that, that that that's a whole other thing. I won't I won't touch that yet. Uh, but yeah, just like the Dolphins had to switch up of who they really wanted in Jim Harbaugh, and they went and got who they got, who essentially is Jim Harbaugh, but with an asterisk. <laughs> Houston had to go the complete other way with it. They didn't have a McDaniel in the tuck like like, like the Dolphins did. Uh, so they went and got Lovey. They promoted Lovey, who was the defensive coordinator for them last year, and just hey, let's just promote promote the black guy. Let's optically be performative and promote the black guy. So we hired and fired a black guy last year, and we promoted a black guy this year. We're all about diversity over here with the Houston Texans. Forget the whole Josh McCown thing with no coaching experience and volunteering at a high school calling plays, not even calling plays. Forget all of that. We hired and fired a black guy and made him walk away with $22 million. We made him take all these L's after being a 40-year coaching savant never getting a chance in the NFL. We gave him a chance, but told him you're going to have to take these L's. So we're going to give you a three year contract with 22 mil guaranteed, but we're telling you, we're going to fire you after one year. So just take this 22 mil and walk away. Then we went and we hired from within. We not only interviewed a minority candidate or multiple minority candidates, but we hired a minority minority candidate from within and promoted him. So there's no way we could be racist. There's no way we should be part of this potential class action lawsuit. When Lovey got hired, Brian Flores put out a statement that was basically like, yo dogs, that should have been me. And that's where I said, huh? Is he about the cause? Is he for self? Is he about the cause? Or was this whole thing him being salty because he wasn't going to get a job? Did a BK guy scam us yet again? Because he talked all the talk. He went out there with his high level corporate white lawyers and ran around to every press avail he could get and talked the talk. But then Lovey Smith gets hired and now all of a sudden you mad Lovey got a gig? Like if it was Josh McCown, word, ride on him. But they gave Lovey the gig. Now we know it's bullshit in the end. 
So if he would have made light of the fact that, yo, dogs, they just covering their tracks, don't fall for that. If he would have gave it up like that, then I still would be riding with Flores. Like, okay, yeah, 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 word, talk that shit, called him out. But the fact that he basically was just like, yo, dogs, it should have been me, not lovey. It's like, but damn, son. So you just mad, you just didn't get a gig. So again, might be right message, wrong messenger. <laughs> like this, That's kind of what I insinuated when all this happened. Like, hey, dogs, to me, it doesn't really matter. It's just a matter of the, the message has been brought up, the topic has been broached, and it's putting these teams under pressure. Sometimes you don't need to have the right messenger at the right time. Sometimes you just need someone to say the thing. And Brian Flores in this lawsuit has said the thing. Problem is he's done everything imaginable since saying the thing to counteract saying the thing. (laughs) So it's like, damn, son, I don't know what's going to happen. Like he got a job now. I don't know if that means the lawsuit's going to go away. I don't know if this makes the judge deem this no longer class action worthy. Like that's the thing. Like he's just doing all of this and he hasn't even the lawsuit isn't even rolling. They're still trying to collect evidence and get other stories. And outside of Hugh Jackson saying, yo, I same thing happened to me when it comes to tanking it's been quiet in these streets to support Brian Flores. Maybe the, the black coaches knew what type of time Flores is on. And they're like, yo, dogs, I would stick my neck out there, but not for you, dog. Not for you, dog. Like, I'm not about I'm not about to align myself with you and your alleged high level corporate white lawyers. I'm not about to do it. I'm not about to do it. And there have been black legal experts that have poked holes throughout this lawsuit already. (laughs) So they're just like, yo, man, I know you're 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 a prep school kid from Brownsville. You moved in certain circles that were uh, not really aligned with people that look like you and I. But you went to the other side thinking you was going to steal something off and nah, nah, they're doing this the right way. They don't know how to frame it like how it should be framed. And it's starting to look, I won't say shaky in the light. I'm not going to say it's scary hours because the fact of the matter is the league is very aware of how much of a racial problem they have when it comes to not only ownership, not only front office, but in the coaching ranks. Which was my whole point the, the first time we spoke about this is the Rooney Rule, the fact that the Rooney Rule exists should be Exhibit A. So the fact that they had to institute and force their ownership group to even interview minorities should be grand opening, grand closing. But here we are where a coach was mad. He found out in a very fucked up way that he was not going to get a job that he had yet to interview for, that he was just going to be a token interview. He alleged how John Elway rolled up to the interview, the, the another token interview, drunk, coming off a bender. To assess what's going on, it, it's going to take a lot of, um, we're going to have to look past a lot of things here. Because I think Flores is showing his true colors in the fact that I think he was just mad he didn't get the job, which a lot of people insinuated early on. Uh, but I just cared about the cause. My thing was, yo, dog, whatever gets you to the point of suing, for the right reason, I don't care. I don't care, bro. So he got mad. He was petty. And he tried to blow the whole thing up. But now they gave him a job on Mike Tomlin's staff. And, you know, there's a lot of brothers on that staff. And Mike Tomlin's 
coaching tree. I don't know too many too many people from his coaching tree, but I mean, maybe now this will, uh, you know, build some momentum in terms of uh, riding with Mike Tomlin just to ingratiate yourself to the cause more than more than anything else. So this is why I'm saying it's yes and no, right? So yes, I explained the yes part, right? So here's the no part, because still. Him doing this lawsuit has gotten to, well, one and a half or one and a quarter uh, brothers hired. Lovey got hired because Flores blew it up so the Texans couldn't go get who they really wanted in Josh McCown. Flores getting fired and blown it up and calling out the Dolphins got your man's Mike McDaniel hired. Now, I don't know if he identifies as anyone's man's based off his press conferences and interviews he's done since being hired. But I mean, he looked, well, he doesn't even look the part. He DNA wise looks the part. We went from one and a half coaches to two and a half because of Brian Flores doing this lawsuit. So did he scam us? Did he do this for the right reasons? Yes and no. But I mean, this is where we're at with it. And this is going to continue to evolve because I really want to know, is he going to continue with this lawsuit? Can you collect a check from the NFL while suing the NFL? <laughs> like that's he's getting paid by the Pittsburgh Steelers and their revenue is generated by and large by the NFL. So... How's that going to work? So if he's mad, he just couldn't get a job. I'm sure he could have got a coordinator job somewhere else. Did he overplay his hand? It's certainly starting to look like he overplayed his hand. But the fact of the matter is, is that the paperwork is in. The lawsuit, if the judge does the right thing and allows this to be a class action lawsuit, could potentially open the floodgates for, as I said, the first time we talked about it, former coaches and former coaching candidates and present coaches and coaching candidates to be able to join this and really put some, apply some real pressure to the shield. Super Bowl halftime show. I know everyone in their mama has talked about the halftime show, but I told y'all how much I really was looking forward to the halftime show because this is a death row, uh, death row inspired halftime show. And I was a huge death row records uh fan growing up that was kind of my introduction into hip-hop from a rap perspective like hip-hop to me was only on the radio or whatever was in people's cars and when that death row shit dropped when the chronic and doggy style and all that stuff dropped it hit different when i heard it in my headphones and um so i was looking forward to it and i will say i was a little disappointed as much as everyone was loving it and this is great, look at rap and look look, look at the platform it's been given and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But goddamn, I wanted I wanted to hear the joints. Like we got the the popular joints. I wanted to hear ain't no fun. I don't I know they couldn't have done it. I know. I know they could not have done it. But I wanted to hear ain't no fun. Cause that rings out to this day. I mean, when, when's the last time you pulled up to a kickback to a spot and you heard still DRE? I ain't hear that shit in the club in a long time. But you know what I have heard? Ain't no fun. Ain't no fun still works. 
it still goes. So I would have loved to have Ain't No Fun out there and let Warren touch the stage. Uh, you know, they could have, they, they, we could have had everyone singing uh, Nate Dogg's part. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I just wanted to be a little bit more of a, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's been coined the G-Funk Super Bowl or the G-Funk halftime show and all that stuff. But I did, there was no G-Funk. Dre didn't play nothing from The Chronic. He played everything from 2001. And it was just like, oh, this is the aftermath Super Bowl. This ain't this ain't the Death Row Super Bowl. This ain't the G Funk Super Bowl. This is the aftermath Super Bowl. Now maybe that's because of publishing rights and stuff like that. I don't know, but you know, to me, I was like, yo, dog, we ain't getting G thing. We ain't getting Dre Day. We ain't getting one eight seven. We ain't getting nothing from Doggy Style. No gin and juice. We ain't getting what's my name. We ain't getting ain't no fun. Like Daz and Corrupt can't touch the stage. DJ Quick can't touch the stage. Warren. Like, come on, man. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. I enjoyed it for what it was. But to me, I was like, damn, man. Like, this really could have been epic if they could have found a way. I mean, wasn't Hove supposed to clear all this stuff? I thought the whole point of Hove being there was supposed to be, all right, he's going to be, you know, the, the liaison to get in our type of stuff. Do you really think they needed Jay-Z to be able to reach out and contact Dr. Dre? For a Super Bowl in L.A. in a stadium not too far from Compton, a stadium that's in Inglewood, you really think they need to hold for that? So, like, it's like, damn, man, if if the whole point of Hove being there is him supposed to be able to smooth things out and be able to get uh, acts that the league on their own wouldn't think to have, like, then, all right, then let's push it all the way then. Ain't no fun in Inglewood at the Super Bowl. I mean, that, that that's what I was looking for. I know, I know, you're not supposed to get it. We didn't get the Pac hologram either. You know, we, we only got the keys to California love. That, that, that's fine. I ain't mad at you. Like, Jay tried. I was like, come on, dog. Ain't no fun? Can you imagine the masses singing Nate Dogg's part at the Super Bowl <sighs> on NBC? I would love that shit. And by the way, Dre spent six million of his own money. So again, <laughs> why is Rock Nation there? Why is Hove? If Dre has to come out of his own pocket six mil for a halftime show, then what's Rock Nation's part in all of this? Oh, I know, I know. It's over my head, Sam. You you, you wouldn't understand. Hove's got this master plan. All right, that's why there's two other black guys that are going to be NFL owners before him. Okay. Okay. And lastly, let's talk about the overworked and underpaid now hiding behind the paywall uh, who has completed assembling his big three. Fraude Smith, did you see he's bringing his mans onto his show? And I'm not talking about J.J. Reddick. I'm talking about his real mans. His real mans who's, who he has caped for in other places. He's given his mans a shot on his show on a four-letter network. Mad Dog. He's given Mad Dog Russo, Chris Russo, former WFAN host, uh, alleged radio legend. He's given him an opportunity to come on his show on ESPN. It's very popular. Once a week. He's so desperate to have that back and forth with a Skip Bayless type that he's dusting off Mad Dog Russo 
to have this type of back and forth to get that type of energy like how he used to have with Skip. That's how desperate he is. Now, here's where it gets, I don't know if it's dirty, but here's where it gets interesting. So, Mad Dog Russo, years ago, said a thing. He said the thing that a lot of people who look like Russo and have power like Russo think. He said the thing out loud, what they all think and say behind closed doors. He has his own channel on SiriusXM. Full disclosure, I used to work at SiriusXM, and for towards the end of my stay, I worked on Mad Dog's channel. And that's a whole nother story. So at one point in time, someone, multiple people actually, made the point of, hey, Mad Dog, you don't have any host of color on your channel. It's just a bunch of white dudes. Like, well, what's, what's up with that? Mad Dog spoke his truth and said that I don't feel that there's anyone qualified of color. Then the caller kind of spoke specifically to the black portion of it, and he doubled down like, yeah, I don't, who, who's the black host? I don't know any black host that's qualified to be at this level. He spoke his truth, and he got roasted. <laughs> he got roasted. He was, getting, he was getting aired out left and right, um, and he was under pressure. And when he was under pressure, he needed someone to save him. He needed someone who looked like me and looked like, based on my analytics, most of you, to come in and save him. And who decided to put their neck out there and get a bag off Mad Dog and give him some bail? Yes, the overworked and underpaid Fraud A. Smith. He came through there and got a show on Mad Dog after Mad Dog was being roasted for weeks, which turned into months. And the overworked and underpaid rolled up there, got a bag from Sirius to do a show on guess whose channel? Oh, Mad Dog's channel. Wow, what a dink! So that happened for two years. It was a two-year contract, and it was a it was a it was a charade off rip. It was literally just, hey, I need a black guy because I'm getting roasted for not thinking of black guys or hiring black guys or black people in general or people of color overall. So Fraud A. Smith decided to pull up and get that bag for the culture. And do a show on Mad Dog's channel. It didn't do nothing. It wasn't successful. It was just a channel. It just sat there. And when the two-year contract was up, it was not renewed. But it bought Mad Dog some bail. So much like Hove in the NFL, Fraud A. Smith was the same for Mad Dog. Your man's Fraud A. Smith has been out here trying to blacken up his show as much as he can. HBCU talk bringing on Jay Williams, bringing on whoever he can to try to blacken it up. But the ratings started to tank. Ratings started to tank. So you got Max up out of there and you tried to make a concerted effort on the four-letter network to make the show appear blacker. Them ratings started to dip. Now what's happening? Oh, J.J. Reddick. <laughs> you get the pull up. Oh, we're dusting off Mad Dog. Your man's in them from back then. Oh, we're dusting him off. Let's get him in the mix. The audience spoke. And the audience told you, stop trying to blacken this up, bruh. Stick to your shtick. Stick to your cowboys hate. 
shtick to your internet beefs with NBA players. Stick to your shtick. Don't force all these black people down our throats. Here's the thing you should know about Mad Dog's radio channel, though. And I, I didn't know we were going to go here, but let's go there. Because why not? Um, so, Mad Dog has a 24-hour radio channel on Sirius XM. I was the only uh, black producer there. There was another producer who was biracial, which is all the rage these days. Uh, but there was another producer there that was biracial, but I was the only black producer there. Now, again, my check was not cut by Mad Dog, but they had me working on Mad Dog's channel. I was doing stuff for NBA and NFL. So they had me working a late night show. It was like an overnight show that was meant to be edgy and push the line and callers were, were on point and the host was going to you know stir the pot and get people get people fired up. That's how it was sold to me. So I do the show and I'm hearing some rhetoric coming from the talent, from the host. The host is live in studio. This is pre-pandemic days. And the host is saying some things. This was when Kaepernick was, was, was going crazy, right? So you can imagine late night, Mad Dog Radio, a host that's very clearly right wing or maybe even teetering on alt right wing Stoking the fires of his base. So people would call up. And part of a producer's job is you have to screen the phone calls before, you know, get people to go in the area after screen the phone calls. People call in. What's your name? Where you're calling from? Cool. OK. What do you want to talk about? OK, cool. And then you put all the information on, a, on, on in a computer database and then the talent, the host can see that and then pick which caller he or she wants to go to, right? During Kaepernick, peak Kaepernick too, like pig socks, the whole deal. Peak Kaepernick, he's stoking the base. He's getting them fired up. But I, in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, he's just doing a thing. He's saying the thing because he knows he's going to get feedback from it, right? He knows he's going to get the people to call up. However, I'm the one that has to now answer these phone calls from these people that he's firing up. So I'm answering phone calls and I had people calling Kaepernick the N-word, not understanding what color I am on the other end. And they're telling me, yeah, I want to talk about this N-word Kaepernick. I can't believe this N-word is da da da. And I'm like, whoa, is this, is this the audience? Is this your base? Is this who, is this who's listening right now? So I'm thinking, all right, maybe that's that's just a random one, a one-off, right? An, an anomaly, an outlier, all of that, right? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It was multiple. It was the, the whole, all the phone lines. I think we had seven phone lines, seven phone lines. All of them were filled with guys more or less saying that. I want to get on there and talk about that N-word Kaepernick. How dare that N-word this? How dare his people support him, do that, yada, yada, yada. I have to screen those calls. That's my job. So what do I do? Seven phone calls, right? And I'm sitting here like, this is a three-hour show. I got three hours of this? 
I have to take three hours of phone calls from people like that who are calling people like me, like Kaepernick, N-words on the phone? Oh, no, 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 no. They got the wrong one. So, as much as I kept putting people on hold without putting their information in, I let the host do his thing. He's stirring them up. He's firing them. Call in now. Da, 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 da. Pound the phone lines. Da, 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 da. And they did. And what happened to those phone calls? Oh, they started magically disappearing over and over and over. What's, what's, what's going on with the phone? I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But in my head, I'm like, if you think I'm going to sit here and take three hours of racist phone calls, you got the wrong one. I am not an intern. I didn't necessarily have FU money, but I had FU energy. That's, that's what I had. And I was like, yo, dog, something wrong with the phones. Something wrong with the phones. You're just going to have to talk. Sorry. You're just, just going to have to talk. So stir them up. Keep stirring them up. And hopefully the phones will get fixed at some point. But as of right now, I don't know what's going on with these phones, bro. I have no idea. I can't help you. But I see the people calling it. Yeah, I see them too. But when I go to put them on hold, something magically happens and they keep disappearing. I don't know. MJ shrug. I don't know. So, yeah, dogs, it, it, I, I didn't last that long on that show, I, as you could imagine. Um, but that show existed long after I left. I think that show existed right up until the pandemic. So you could imagine from the wave of Kaepernick to right up until the pandemic, that show existed. And that type of energy was being like used throughout. So that host was on Mad Dog's channel. So that host represents Mad Dog's thoughts of what quality sports talk host is. He couldn't find someone of quality, of note, that was of color or black, right? But somehow, this white guy who has a alt-right-wing perspective, buried on the overnights, doing 11 a.m. 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. shifts, is lit. So that is quality, according to Mad Dog Russo. That is top tier quality, according to the mans that's on the four letter network, supported by y'all mans, the overworked and underpaid Fraud A. Smith. And I mean, you wonder why. I don't watch, ES- I don't watch ESPN and I don't, I don't watch that shit. I don't, I don't watch ESPN and I don't, I don't watch that shit. I don't watch ESPN and I don't, I don't watch that shit. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all always for listening. Uh, support the content. Spread the content. I'm trying to do more things on Twitter. So if you haven't already, uh, follow at the SamD. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. TheSamD.com is the website for all content, audio and visual. Uh, it's, it's been a busy few weeks at the new gig, getting adjusted. Super Bowl first week, all-star stuff last week. So... This week, I've been able to kind of like actually catch my breath a little bit and kind of get settled in. So we're back in the mix. Nothing crazy going on until March Madness, which crazy enough is not that far away. So as of right now, you should be getting consistent content from me. I I always will keep you up to date if I can't give you that content. So for the SMD podcast, I'm Sam Dusenberry. I'm out.